sit in the room than sit over in an overflow because you, you pay attention. <laughs> and the overflow room, you tend to start talking about the weather. And you get distracted with the, when the ice maker makes the ice in the refrigerator. <laughs> but uh, it is over there, it's, and it's usable. And uh, I know the folks, uh, you know, but I'd rather be in here because then you can feel the heat, you know, and, and feel what's going on. So uh, we've been talking about Satan, and last week I introduced to you this issue about a book of DNA. And I just want to talk this morning with you about what Satan missed when he looked at humanity and when humanity was created, when Adam was created, and just some interesting things here. I know it's Christmas time. Next week we'll do a Christmas message just for you to have it so you can say we did it. I was asked this week, are you doing a service on Christmas Eve? And I said, no. And they go, well, why not? I said, because I don't get out with the crazies. You know? And she's like, what? I'm like, don't, no, we've never done special stuff because it's really just literally another day on the calendar. And we understand that. We understand that what happened at this time of year was the issue of the conception of Christ in late December. And the birth is actually in late September, early October, however you like to count that out. And it is fascinating when you study Scripture and you get your head out of the theological books and you get your head out of the denominational religion and you just come and read and study. Last hour, we were looking at the gospel of, of God there in Romans 1, verse 1, as we were trying to get the book of Romans started. And it is amazing to me how many people assume Paul's talking about something that in two verses later tells you what he's talking about isn't anything what he is talking about. You know, they, they jump to a conclusion before reading the verses. And when you read the verses, as we're going to do this morning, and we talk about this DNA thing. Have, by the way, have you ever noticed, I was in the e urgent care yet last night because of this. I've had this head cold or flu or whatever for four weeks. So I finally broke down and went to urgent care to get some antibiotics because it just wasn't, and nothing I was doing was kicking it. So on the wall in the room is a picture of your lungs and the pulmonary system. Have you ever noticed a tree without leaves on it looks just like your lungs. And I know they call the trees the lungs of the earth and everything, and you hear that. And it's fascinating when you begin to look at how God created creation. You begin to see things all over the place. But when you come to Scripture, there's some things that God has done for you and I in our DNA that Satan misses, doesn't understand, doesn't get, because he can't see it. If you look here at Genesis 2, and I just want to talk this morning to you about this ish, stuff about the DNA and everything, and, and just really kind of have some, uh, s some interesting time rather than some heavy doctrinal boom, boom, boom. But guess what happens? It ends up being heavy doctrinal boom, 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 you know. But just, it, just notice when you come to your, your Bible... A King James Bible, let's get specific, okay? By the way, the new King James Bible we're going to talk about next month after the holidays or maybe the last... By the way, this has got five Sundays in, in December. I was looking at that. So, you know, the fifth Sunday is an extra giving Sunday. So make sure you're giving back there, okay? 
and you earmark it pastor appreciation, okay? So that it gets to where it belongs, all right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I am just kidding. But anyway, uh, there, there's a marketing ploy or some stuff that I get from Christianity Today, and they always say that the fifth Sunday, the giving on the fifth Sunday should be earmarked for something special, not just into the general fund. And the first in the list, NASCAR, is not NASCAR. <laughs> I know, I try. The, the first in the list of what should be special is a love offering to the pastor. It was very interesting. I was like, wow, look at that. And they think I make this stuff up, and it's out there, you know. So anyway, Genesis chapter 2. Let's, let's do some, something a little more serious than that. Look at verse 7. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground... And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. The three parts there of humanity. Satan watches God do this. He sees God create a new creature. Some, something that has never been seen before. He forms the body from the dust of the ground. Okay? He sees that. He sees the physical thing coming, the structural, your, your physical body. He sees all that come together. He sees the Lord breathe into him. And Satan watched God come along and, and begin to, to breathe in him the breath of life. And all of a sudden, this creature has life going on. And Satan knows something instantly. He knows that man is now his enemy. He knows that God's going to use man now to come back and, and to take back the creation, to take back the earth. That's why you, Paul will say of, uh, about man and Adam of the earth, he's earthy. He know, Satan knows that man is connected to the earth. So what does Satan do? Studies man. Starts watching him. Starts starts getting into him, and, and he, 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 he's noticing the intricacies of man. He knows man is lower than the angels. He knows that man can't fly. He sees the angels doing that, he, he himself. He, he, he knows that man can't appear and then disappear and move. He begins to, to watch man and, 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 and notice everything that man's limitations but what Satan couldn't see in verse 7 was that man became a living soul. He couldn't see that. He, he, could, he could see the body. He could see the life. But he couldn't see the soul. So what Satan doesn't see as he's watching man, as he doesn't, he, come on back over to Psalms 139 is he begins to, to notice, Psalms 139, he begins to notice some things about man, but they're puzzling to him because he can't see that soul part. So he begins to try to figure out how to mess with whatever's going on in man. And he's beginning to look for a, a way to defeat him. Psalms 139, this is where we were last time, start in verse 14. David talking here, he says, I will praise thee. The thee here is God. I will praise thee. 
for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You know, when you think about how you're wonderfully made, there, there was that, the, the, and I'm going to mispronounce some of this because I'm not a medical guy, and I don't, I'm apologizing for it ahead of time. But in the past, we've looked at that layman and, and the, the cell structure and how when you look at it, it's got that picture and the photograph, uh, an idea here of the issue of the cross, and it's got that cross look to it. You've got 206 bones in your body. All the systems are working. The marrow in your bones, what does that produce? Come on, blood. Okay. Leviticus says the life is in the what? The blood. So you've got all this going on. Daniel, David here says, hey, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I think about that, you know. People say, hey, I was healed. I was this, I was that. Well, you know what? Let's take back a bit and think about what the Creator did to you, you know, <laughs> and so forth. Verse 15, watch verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee. Isn't that interesting? His substance, who he is, his soul, you, your DNA, wasn't hidden from thee, God. Who was it hid from, though? Satan. He didn't see that. He can't see your soul. He sees you. He sees your activity. He sees what you say and what you do and how you move. He, he knows that you're lower than the angels. He knows there's something different about you. By the way, he knows you're dangerous. You're his enemy. David describing the creation of man here. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. I was made out of dust. That's the lowest parts of the earth. You, you made, there was some things going on here, God, when you made me. Thine eyes, verse 16, did see my substance, yet being <coughs> excuse me, unperfect. I was made in secret. There's some, there's some real things going on here in the soul. I, me, the things that were going on here, when God breathed and man became a living soul, that was valuable. Your soul, you are valuable. And he says, hey, thine eyes, God sees my substance. He sees who I am before I'm there. Verse 16, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Look at that. He, God wrote a book. I call it the book of DNA. He wrote you before you were ever in existence. He wrote every piece of you. The basics, the basis of everything about you, he wrote it down and he writes it in advance. And as I grow... And as I mature, unperfect, you know, not complete, when I'm complete, when I'm growing, now you're seeing what you wrote back there, Father, God, way back there. I wrote this down. And you know what Satan's been trying to do ever since? Duplicate it. He's been trying to corrupt it. 
So what do you have that comes along back in the 70s and the 80s? You got the Human Genome Project, don't you? And they begin to go to and figure some things out and try to figure out what DNA is. And it's been right here in the book ever since, since the beginning. There's a book of DNA that he writes. And the DNA, <coughs> your DNA is not random, by the way. <laughs> it's specific to you. DNA, they form a sentence. They have words, periods, stops, punctuation marks. And literally, your DNA, it's your story. It has everything about who you are, the color of your hair, your eyes, your hands. I have my dad's hands. I have these little spots on my hands, and I asked my dad about it. I said, Dad, I'm getting these spots showing up as I get older. And he goes, yes, your grandfather had them, and your great-grandfather had them, and it goes all the way back, and it's in your DNA. It's not sunspots. It's not cancer. It's just age. It's you. It's who you are. And I go, great. <laughs> you know, because the doctor's looking at him going, I don't feel anything. You know, it's everything. The moment that you're conceived, 46 chromosomes make you up. 23 from mom, 23 from dad. They contain all the identity of who you are. It was determined right there. Everything else is, well, as verse 16, as I grow. And in thy book, my members were written when in continuance were fashioned as I grow. Come over to Isaiah 34. So there's a book. I asked my dad about my receding hairline. By the way, you'll notice I've let my hair kind of grow out. I don't wear a helmet anymore. So we're going to see what it looks like in a couple months. And it'll probably be shaved back down square because <laughs> I kind of like that. It's not so messy, you know. And he's like, well, that's just the Jordan curse. I'm like, okay, you know, the receding hairline. The thinning, it happens. You see, folks, the DNA, it's there. Look at Isaiah 34. Look at verse 16. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and, what, read. You see, God wrote another book, didn't he? God writes several books. The book of the Lord, the Bible, the scriptures. He says over there in Hebrews... 10, I am the, the volume of the book was written about me, the Lord. There it is, the book of the Lord. And there's a really an interesting comparison between the book of DNA and the book of the Lord. It's very fascinating. Over there in Philippians 2, <clears throat> Paul talks about the word of life. Come, come, come over there to Philippians. Let's just look at that. <clears throat> Philippians 2. Verse number 16. Philippians 2, verse number 16. He says, holding forth the word of, what? Life. That I may rejoice in the day of Christ, and that I have not run in vain, neither labored in. Holding forth the word of life, the book of DNA. I'm holding it forth, the word of life. If you turn over to chapter 4, and verse number 3, you've got the end of that, whose, those names are written in the, Book of life. You've got life in the book. 
<clears throat> it's, if, by the way, in Revelation 20, if you're not in the book, where are you? <laughs> you're in the lake of fire. But see, here you have to have the life that the book gives you in who? In Christ. Come back to, to the Gospel of John. It's very fascinating here in John. Everybody tells you, read John. You know, you get saved. Go read John. Well, I'm going to tell you, don't read John. I'm going to tell you to go read Romans. Because <laughs> John, three quarters of the book of John is written to the 12 apostles. It's not written to even the rest of the nation of Israel. <laughs> you know, John 14. Look at verse number 6. What does the Lord say? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Come over to John 6, verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You see, folks, we've got the living word of the living God. We've got the written word. That's designed to be put into you. It's designed to communicate to you with the living word. And when you do that, you begin to do something that Satan doesn't understand. And that is, is that you begin to build up your inner man, that soul. Come back over. Well, you're in John. Are you in John? Come to Psalms 117. Think about your body. <clears throat> I have been thinking about mine of late because of all the stuff going on. You have two parts to your body. You have a, and it's divided by a spine. Psalms 117. You have 12 ribs, don't you, on both sides. Right? No? Yes? Okay. All right. One side is dominant than the other. If you're left-handed, you're left-handed dominant. If you're right-handed, you're in your right mind, so you're dominant, right? <laughs> okay? I, I'm trying to keep you awake. Just think about your body. The bones in your spine, there's 33 of them, separated into two parts. 33 twice is what? Oh, what's your Bible? It's got a spine, doesn't it? There's two parts in your Bible, prophecy and mystery. 66 books. It's very interesting. Just happens to be that way. Spooky. Ooh. How about a, there is a what? A creator. In your Bible, you have 1,189 chapters. Okay? So when you half that, because you've got two parts, you come to 594.5. Psalms 117 is the 595th chapter in your Bible. The middle verse isn't Psalms 118, which everybody loves, but it's rather Psalms 117. Notice how many verses are in Psalms 117. Two. Ooh. Two. Two parts. You, spine, two parts. Count the words in the verses. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, 
and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise you the Lord. Did you count them? How many? 33. I'm a good lawyer. Never ask a question you don't know the answer to already, right? 33. Isn't that interesting? There's 33 words. Moses looks at the Lord and says, Lord, show me your glory. He says, I can't. Exodus 32, what did he show? 33, what did he show him? His back end, his back, the back. Think about your face, your skull. Come over to John 19. 22 bones in the skull. John 19. The number 22 in Scripture has to do with the number of knowledge, revelation. Where's your brain? Sitting in that skull, right? Knowledge, revelation. Notice John 19. Notice verse 17. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. Isn't that interesting? The place of the skull. You better be careful with the new translations. They pull all that out. They rewrite that verse. God was in Christ at Calvary. God was in Christ reconciling the world, wasn't he? We know that now through Paul. And if you want us to see God's, God be revealed, who are you going to go look at and look to? The Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8, but God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Paul. You've got to have that. The place of the skull. Where did he, where, it's where he died for you and me, isn't it? Come over to Revelation 22. Revelation 22. I, just trying to make you think a little bit, have a little fun. I don't know. You're going to be so serious all the time. The place of a skull where he died for you. A place where God revealed himself. You go over there in Ephesians 1 and he says, hey, you want to see the power of God? You've got to look at Calvary. He fashioned it in Calvary. There it is. Revelation 22, verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall, shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. Notice 22 words there. And they shall see his face. Notice, by the way, we're in the 22nd chapter of Revelation. When you study DNA and you begin to look at the Word of God, come back to Genesis 5. When you study GNA, you're studying genetics, aren't you? Genesis, genetics, connected. Go back there to Genesis 5. Genesis, the book of the beginning, right? Here it is. Here's the generations, the genetics, the movement, the, 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 I told you last week about Genesis 6 there, and Noah was perfect in his generations. He's not talking about ages and stuff. He's talking about genetics, DNA. Genesis 5, verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. The first place that the word 
book is used is right there, and it's in connection to the genetic code of Adam's descendants. There it sits. The book of. The first time that word book is used is right there, and he's talking about a bunch of descendants of Adam. Now go all the way down to verse 30. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 590 and five years and begat sons and daughter. The last person in the genetic code of Adam, the tenth from Adam, is a guy by the name of Noah. Right? Okay? Now let's look at, DNA is spiral, isn't it? But let's lay it out. And this isn't true to form. This is not the scale. Okay? Good is right. But I just want you to think about something here when you think about DNA. <clears throat> These are, if you were to lay DNA out, you have a pillars. Got two pillars. That piece of chalk's going in the garbage. There's a pillar of sugar and a pillar of phosphate on each side. You have a ladder that goes in between. There are ten of them. Who's the tenth person from Adam? Noah. What was Noah? He was perfect in his generations. The DNA isn't messed up. It hasn't been corrupted. Come over to Luke 8. Come back with me. Hold on to Genesis. Look at Luke 8. <clears throat> I don't know if you find this fascinating or boring, but I'm glad you're here either way. Okay? <laughs> Luke 8. Look, look at Luke 8 and look at verse number 11. <clears throat> look. Luke 8, verse 11. Now the, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. In this parable of the sower, and they sow what? Seed. The DNA of the plant that, they're gonna, that they throw out there. The genetic code. You know that you can take a corn seed and what is it going to produce? Corn. It won't produce soybeans. You hope it's going to produce corn. And I find a bag of seeds at home with no label on it. It's like, okay, what are we going to find now? Um, a bunch of weeds is what we found. <laughs> I did something wrong. Anyway. The coding. But notice what verse 11 says. The picture of the seed, the DNA, it's really the what? The Word of God. Go back to Genesis 5, verse 1. Here's the seed of David, I mean of Abraham, of Adam. Here's the book of the generation, the DNA of Adam. Here it is. Here's the book of the DNA. And it's written, by the way, Genesis is written in the Hebrew language, isn't it? Do you know there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet? 
Guess how many amino acids make up your DNA? <clears throat> 22. <clears throat> 22. Hey, nothing tricky here, folks. In the Greek New Testament, guess how many there are? 24. 24 letters in the Greek. 46, when you add them together, that's how many chromosomes you need to make you up. Spooky, isn't it? The 23rd, the 23rd chromosome makes up the sex of the baby. Okay? What is that? That's female. And that's male. Right? You nurses, you guys, pay attention, right? Pay attention. <clears throat> What's the difference between those two? That little dude right there. That little is omitted. What did Adam lose when God made Eve? A rib. There it is. Fascinating. Go back to Genesis 2. Genesis 2. You see, folks, that DNA thing, Satan misses all of this, by the way. He ain't catching none of this. Now, we're getting somewhere, I hope. <laughs> Genesis 2. To make, one, to make one flesh, what do you have to do? you got to put it together, don't you? Verse 23, Genesis 2, 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Guess how many words are in that, those two? 46. Spooky, isn't it? Chapter 3. 46 words in those two verses when you add them together. Count them. Count them quick. Make sure I'm right. <laughs> okay. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And you read down through verse number 5. The adversary speaks to Eve. And if you count the words, he speaks 46 words to her. And he's got man. Because who was standing right next to her? Adam. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. He says over there, Romans 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When Adam and Eve, when Satan got Adam and Eve to sin, they're now going to produce offspring that have what? Sin 
in their DNA. He got them. 46 words. He got them. Come back to Romans 1. You need to be in Romans 1. He produced, now Adam was going to produce offspring that he's sinful. Satan got him there using just 46 words. Follow that? Romans 1. Romans chapter 1. Drop down to verse 28. Romans 1, 28. <clears throat> Talking about the heathen here. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all, and you see the list in 29, 30, and 31, there's 23 specific things listed there. Verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of what? What does sin bring? Death. They're worthy of death. Folks, it's written down. It's right there. The code is right there. If you go back up in verse 29, being filled with all these things. And you know what? You see all of that in our culture, don't you? You see all of that in our society. And you see all of that out there, and it all is going to result in that they are worthy of death. Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> you see, folks, Satan missed all this. You know what he saw? He just saw a dirt man running around acting like a fool. He figured it out. He, he goes, man, why is the Lord meeting him in the cool of the day and talking to him? What's he doing? 1 Corinthians 6. What's he doing over there? What's he doing all of that? What's, what's going on here? What's happening here? Why is that happening? He didn't understand that spiritual thing going on inside. Now he catches on later when God gives the law to Israel and Abraham and all that. He goes, okay, but he misses it. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. By the way, the book of Corinthians, guess what number book it is? If Romans is 45th book, what's 1 Corinthians? 46. <laughs> uh, just happens to be that way. But watch Paul in verse 16. Quote Genesis 2. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be what? One flesh. You see how it shouldn't be that a believer is joined to a harlot? Now watch verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the, interesting, the temple of who? Of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. But notice that issue of bringing up the temple. Now, there's never a word wasted in Scripture. Even the little A is important, like A nation, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so when Paul says the temple, what's he doing? He's making a connection spiritually between your body, this, the DNA, and a spiritual thing over here that we find out about who we are in Christ. Now come back to 1 Kings 7 real quick. 
<clears throat> have I lost anybody? Okay, folks on the internet, if you're lost, I apologize, but just look at 1 Kings 7. The temple becomes a picture of your body, especially back here in the Old Testament. In 1 Kings 7, Solomon builds his temple. Verse 1, but Solomon was building his own house 13 years, and he finished all his house. And he's building a temple. Now, before the temple, it was the tabernacle. Okay, And by the way, the tabernacle was made out of skins, animal skins specifically. And uh, there's some spiritual connection to all of that when God looks at Israel and says, I'm going to go dwell in, in, in people now, not in a building. And they've had that picture all along. But here in the temple, watch verse number 21. <coughs> 1 Kings 7, 21. And he set up the pillars in the porch of the temple. And he set up the right pillar and called the name thereof Jachin. And he set up the left pillar and he called the name Boaz. Isn't that interesting? Do you know who Boaz is? Okay, then you go find out about who Jachin is. But what I want you to see is he did what? He set up how many pillars? Here's our two pillars. He set up two pillars. Now, the, the pattern, there's going to be 20 boards on one side, 20 boards on the other, six at the one end, so we're back to 46, and then you've got the two pillars that sit out front. So when you're coming up to the temple, you're going to pass through the two pillars, which, by the way, they have names, Boaz and Jachin, you know, the, uh, knowledge and wisdom and understanding and they go in but you've got this picture here of 20 boards to the north 20 boards to the south 6 boards to the west and on the east is 2 boards 2 pillars coming in you follow that? what do we have? 2 pillars we've got 10 by the way this strand ends with the period the next set starts and off you go, right, one more time, and it all gets connected, right? And you're moving. It's the structure of DNA. And it has two panels. It has two pillars. By the way, each of the boards were 23 cubits high. Isn't that interesting? Each of the walls, 23 and 23. You guys look bored. Oh, okay. Come on over. Let's talk about these two pillars. One's sugar and one's phosphate. All right? Get Psalms 119, because that's the closest book. Psalms 119, and then we need Revelation 10, I believe it is. So let me go there real quick. Double check. <coughs> yes. So you need Psalms 110 and Revelation, Psalms 119, sorry, and Revelation 10. Do a Psalms 119 first. Psalms 119 and verse 130. You ought to know this verse. Talking about the entrance of thy words giveth what? Light. What does phosphate do? Lights it up, doesn't it? Revelation 10, verse number 9. 
And I went unto the angel and said, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. There's the sugar. Jeremiah, he says, I eat it up, it's sweet, tastes good. Come back to 1 Kings back there, where you were, sorry. You've got the ladder, the ten, the ten, the, the ten rungs, the ten panels. You've got the two panels. Here's phosphorus, light, sweet as honey, sugar. You've got this ladder that's going across there. Do you remember a thing about Jacob's ladder? Ooh. Hmm. Every tenth spiral, DNA is in a spiral. Every tenth spiral has a period, and it stops, and it starts the next one. Look at 1 Kings 6, in the temple, by the way. 1 Kings 6, the temple, it's a picture of your body. 1 Kings 6, verse 7 and verse 8. Then he made a porch for the throne which he might judge. 1 Kings 6, I'm sorry, I was in 7. 1 Kings 6, verse 7. And the house, when it was in building, was built of stone, made ready before it was brought thither, so that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron uh, uh, heard in the house while it was in the building. The door for the middle chamber was in the right side of the house, and they went up, now watch, the winding stairs into the middle chamber, and out of the middle into the third. You see that thing about winding stairs? There's your DNA. You're going to go from one level to the next. We're going to go up a what? A winding stair. It's going to stop with the period, and the next one will start, and all the way down through. It's a ladder, folks, when you lay it out. Come over to John chapter 1. The ladder. Think about this. Genesis 28, you have Jacob's ladder, don't you? Uh, you need John 1. The top of Jacob's ladder was where? In heaven. The bottom of it was on the earth. They were ascending and descending, right? Look at, look at John 1 and verse number 1. I'm sorry, verse 51. Let's do that. John 1, 51. Who does the latter represent? Well, John 1, 51. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon... Isn't that interesting? He says, you saw that ladder back there in Genesis 28? That's really me. Isn't that fascinating? Jesus Christ is, says that that ladder is him. And he's going to bring, he, Christ, is going to bring heaven and earth to what? Together. You see, the ladder represents his life. His words. Who he is. And it's a spiral, winding ladder. And there's a connection between your DNA and the book and the Lord Jesus Christ. And they all begin to connect together now. Come over to Romans chapter 2. 
You see, folks, what God wrote in creation, when you see that tree that looks like your lung system, when he wrote in creation, what God wrote in creation is reflected specifically in his word. So when he says there in Romans 1 that they see the things in creation and they know that the power of Godhead... <coughs> oh, boy, I cough at the wrong time, right in the mo- mo- momentum getter. When he says that, there's a reason why, because when you look at that creation out there, what do you know? There is a creator. Romans chapter 2. By the way, the spiral has ten rungs to it. Do you know about a thing called the Ten Commandments? And that he wrote them with the finger of God. There was how many stones? Two. Two tablets. Two divisions. Folks, that correlation between creation and you and the book, it is fascinating. And we're just spend 40 minutes just looking at little things. Look at Romans 2, verse 14. Notice, look at this. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, they weren't given the law, okay? Do by what? Nature. The things contained in the law, these uh, these having not the law are a law under the... You see that thing about doing by nature? The way that God created them in any cultural, they know that it's wrong to steal, to lie, to kill, to covet. They instinctively know that those things are wrong. It's in their spiritual DNA of all of us. The problem is, is they don't obey the verses, they just go do it anyway. 15, 2.15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. See that? Their conscience. They examine the activity. They accuse it. Hey, it's not in line with what is right. Or they excuse it. Now, you and I, as members of the body of Christ, as members of uh, uh, as, uh, having the life of Christ, when we look at it, We're going to examine it by the Word of God. What does the Word of God tell us? Because then that Word of God becomes written in our spiritual DNA. And when that happens, now we have a a different function going on inside of us. You know what they do? Look look, look back at at chapter 1. Look back at verse 18. Here's what you see them do. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in what? Unrighteousness. They hold it. They they know it. They know it's wrong to do it, but they still go and do it anyway. When God created man in the secrets of the soul, who you are, what Satan couldn't see, (coughs) what he missed, that inward working, of man. God put some some DNA in there that would then allow them, verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest where? In them. 
Isn't that amazing? He starts within them. I wrote this into their DNA that I'm the creator. What did they do? Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They made a decision to not go. So when you got saved and you trust Christ as your Savior, come over to Colossians 3. You you see how important some of this is, I hope. This is how you're designed to work. How God made you to move and to function. And what Satan saw was, I can just, I can make Adam and Eve misstep here, and, but he doesn't see the spiritual ramifications. And he, when he caused Adam and Eve to sin, sin got in the DNA, corrupted the DNA. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And when that happened, off we go. But when you came to Calvary, Colossians 3, when you came and you trusted Christ as your Savior, something wonderful happened to your spiritual DNA. Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. In every believer, He's our life. He came to make you a what? A new creature. Drop down to verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, in your spiritual DNA, down in your soul. <coughs> Let that be. James 1 over there, he says, well, just look over there at James 1. Sometimes these guys say it just the perfect way, <laughs> if you will. And I know it's James, but just get it. James 1, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. See that thing, the engrafted word? When you got saved, folks, he engrafted into you some spiritual DNA. And what he engrafted into you was his life. <clears throat> and, it was, and he did it by his word. John 6, 63, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And when you trusted Christ, go, go back there to Colossians 2. <clears throat> when you trusted Christ and he begins to work in your inner man and he begins to to form you after that new creature, and he begins to work in you. It it is all there in verse 12. In the middle of that verse, he says, through the faith of the operation of God. Colossians 2.12 in the middle. He He goes to operating on your spiritual DNA. So we literally have the spiritual DNA of life of Christ. And it's engrafted into our inner man. And you know what he says? When Satan looked at man, he saw the physical outside stuff, and he missed 
what's going on inside. He missed the source of God's life. And what he's been trying to do ever since is he's been trying to corrupt that spiritual DNA. And how he does it is by messing with the Word of God. That's how he does it. Because what did, I, I love that stuff back there in Genesis 3. God looks at Adam and Eve, he's calling for them. They did Operation Fig Leaf, covered up and built religion and tried to do their thing to make it right with God. And he says, why did you do it? And they said, we were naked. And he says, who told you you were naked? Bad information. My word to you wasn't that. Satan sold them a bill of goods, and they bought it. And if you and I aren't careful, guess what's going to happen? Same thing happens to you and I. How did Satan get and corrupt? Yea, hath God said. That's how he attacks. That's how he moves in. And I'll be honest with you, he does it in the body of Christ, you and I today, through a nice little book called The New King James. And it's not anything new. And he uses that because, you know what, you and I, we study the King James, so hey, there's a new one. It's got to be new. It's got to be good. And the next thing you know, you're in it hook, line, and sinker, and you're gone. We'll talk some about how he does that next time, okay? Just see what Satan missed. You know what Satan missed? He missed all this. He missed that replica. He missed the spiritual DNA side of it. The book. You got time for one more verse? 1 Thessalonians 2. I love it when I get the affirmative answer. 1 Thessalonians 2. You see, folks, there's something supernatural going on inside of you when you read the book. And when the Word of God begins to renew your mind and begins to renew your inner man. But I'm going to tell you what, it's more than just reading it. You have to believe it. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You can read this book all day long, get it, know it, but until you believe it, when you believe it, that's when it gets engrafted into you. And it becomes active. And it becomes well, it becomes a wow because it's working. And you're able to take it from the page and theory and thought and then go and apply it into life because I'm going to believe that verse says what it says. I believe it, so let's go do it. Satan tries to counterfeit all that, by, by the way, in the physical arena. And he's going to try and counterfeit it by messing with the Word of God. Okay? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for your wisdom, for your mercy, for your grace.
for your long-suffering, and ultimately for all that we are in your Son. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.